What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing the post-game incident at BMO Field. Riders off-season roster questions. John Huffnagel's stance on signing unvaccinated players. And Chris Strevler, who always creates a buzz on both sides of the border. But first, Dunkster... The Grey Cup is set for Sunday with the East Division champion Hamilton Tiger Cats set to host the West Division champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I gotta ask, who you got? Woo, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. We know that Dane Evans is going to be the starting quarterback for the Ticats. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to finish the game there because we've seen a lot of switching at that position with Hamilton during the regular season and I believe they're going with the momentum that he created in the East Final and leading that comeback but if I'm putting money down on this game at Bodog it's going on the Bombers I think that's fair Dunkster and can I just point out I think it's amazing that over the past 24 months We've seen just about everything change, right? We've seen how we work change, how we socialize change, how we travel change, right? This pandemic has changed all aspects of our life. Yet after a canceled 2020 season and two years of chaos amid this pandemic, we have the exact same thing happening in the 2021 Great Cup as the 2019 Great Cup. We got the same two teams. We got the same two starting quarterbacks. The only thing that's changed is the narrative, right? Hamilton came in, of course, as the heavy favorite in 2019. The Bombers are coming in as the favorite now at, at minus two and a half at Bodog Canada. Of course, the Ticats do have the advantage of playing at home and Dunkster. Honestly, that's why I am considering taking the Ticats straight up in this one. I think the money line is going to move from minus two and a half to maybe the 4-5 the region. And if it reaches that, I'm going to be smashing the Ticats on the point spread. But I am considering taking them straight up as well. The spread I like, and I feel like it's going to keep climbing because the Bombers are a very public team coming off the win in 2019 and then the dominant year that they had before they were allowed to shut it down or allowed themselves to shut it down because they had number one in the West all wrapped up. To me, the critical factor here is going to be home field. At Tim Hortons Field, the Ticats get juiced up to play there, and largely it's going to be packed with Ticats fans, obviously with it being in Hamilton. So that is the one main difference here in terms of the game being played in Calgary in 2019 compared to it being played in Hamilton. And I think that could be a real difference maker. And as the spread continues to go up, I would see value 
in the tie cats. If we're talking money line, you know, smart money's probably on the blue bombers, but hey, let's go back to week one. And yes, it was a long time ago, but that was just a 19-6 ball game, and the tie cats played terribly. Like it was an awful performance all around, except for one of the drives that they had early in the game, and then never even came close to finding that rhythm on offense again. So much different teams going into this game. I think that needs to be said. Steinauer stated it multiple times. But I think for the Ticats now, some of those new pieces, in particular Darius Sirocco, who was at center in that first game, now has a shortened season at least under his belt to feel comfortable making the checks to the line of scrimmage and doing all the kinds of things you need to do as a center. Also in the receiving court, Brandon Banks isn't the same dude, obviously, as in 2019. So we've seen playmakers emerge, in my mind, the top one in that group is Tim White. Jalen Acklin has made some plays and had a touchdown in the East Final. But White could be a real difference maker. And oh, by the way, his brother from another mother, Pappy White, was a guy that flipped the East Final on its head as well. So I think the Whites are the two guys that we got to watch out for, especially if the Ticats are going to hoist the Great Cup at home. Yeah, and I, I think you know, the, as much as the Bombers didn't look nearly as polished as they have through most of the season in the West Final, I do think... That maybe, and Mike O'Shea touched on this after the game, maybe it's not a bad thing to have a little bit of a wake-up call right in that West Final. To maybe have that reminder of, oh right, yeah, we're a great team. Yeah, we've been the best team all season long, but this thing isn't done. Nothing is guaranteed, particularly in pro sports and particularly in the CFL, right, where we have arguably the least... <laughs> you know the the least predictable action um, in pro football, maybe pro sports. I mean, the CFL is known for being unpredictable. So, I think that you know may, maybe the maybe the poor West final performance gives the Bombers just a little bit of pause, a little bit of a check in to go. Okay, we we're not gonna we're not gonna coast to this title game. Maybe that works to their advantage. But at the same time, they looked vulnerable. Right? They were they were one one drive away from losing that game to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who while a good team, have not been in Winnipeg's league all season. So I'm very excited to watch this one. I thought everybody, you know, in 2019 thought that game would be a snooze fest because Cats were going to roll, and that ended up being the opposite. I just hope we get a really close game. And Dunkster, I suspect we will get a very close game at Tim Hortons Field on Sunday. And it could be another snow globe type atmosphere, which the non-football fans seem to love tuning into all of the Grey Cup a few years ago that happened in the nation's capital when the Argos upset the Stamps. It's been snowing in Hamilton. We'll see if it sticks around for game day on Sunday, but just another element that could add to the intrigue and potentially bump up the television audience on TSN. The Toronto Argonauts and Saskatchewan Roughriders saw their season end in the divisional finals. Which team is facing more questions as they go into the offseason? Well, part of me wants to say Saskatchewan because they play in the more competitive division. But honestly, Dunkster, if you look at that coaching staff, I think it's safe to say Craig Dickinson will be back. I think it's safe to say that we'll see Jason Moss back. I think it's safe to say we'll see Jason Chivers back. And they've got Cody Fajardo under contract. You look at the Toronto Argonauts, obviously on the defensive side of the ball, Chris Jones came in, ran that, that unit for the second half of the season after Glenn Young was placed on leave. He could be a head coaching candidate elsewhere. Ryan Dinwiddie said that Edmonton would be foolish not to hire him as their head coach. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the fact that Cloud, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson is not under contract. You know, Enoch Muamba is not under contract. To me, you know, if, if you're looking at Toronto, I think there are more questions with the coaching staff. And, of course, we have the incident following the East Final we'll talk about in a moment 
that that could maybe have have a bit of a dark cloud hanging over this team as they go into the offseason. So the Argos are my pick for the team with more questions heading into the offseason. For me, it's the Riders because they're the Riders, right? Our traffic shows this, and I hate saying it, but there's not too many people that care about the Argos, right? Everybody in Saskatchewan and across the country, you could argue that they're Canada's team, so that's why it's the Riders. There are going to be major question marks there in terms of how can they fix the offensive line. Does Jason Moss's offense actually fit Cody Fajardo? There's arguments to be made, and it's happening behind the scenes right now, that Fajardo looked way better, and it should be said he was a CFL All-Star quarterback in 2019. And yes, guys like Bo Levi Mitchell and Michael Riley had injuries, Zach Caleros too, but still, he looked way more dynamic in McAdoo's offense. There's no arguing that, I don't think, especially after the shortened season. Now, I understand that it's only one year together, and it was a shortened campaign, but they had the whole pandemic to get ready. And let's remember, Fajardo didn't show up in Saskatchewan until 2019 before that season. He was a backup before then and running short yardage in BC prior to that year. So, they got to find a way to shore up that offensive line, especially, in my mind, at the tackle positions. And that has to be the number one focus there. Outside of that, Fajardo's going to want Duke Williams back. That guy changed the overall outlook of that offense. It's going to be difficult because there's going to be lots of suitors there. And I really think that they got to make sure that they lock him down because they've proven they can put guys in certain positions on defense, like at defensive end, let's say. Jonathan Ward had a great season out of nowhere in Jason Chavers' scheme. So the keys for me, locking down that offensive line, because all the pressure is going to be on this team, Hodge, to get to the Grey Cup when it's being held in Regina in, what, it'd be less than a year now. I'll, I'll give Saskatchewan credit for this. The offensive line originally was supposed to be Taryn Vaughn at left tackle to Kobe Cofield at right tackle. Vaughn had, so, had shoulder surgery. Cofield retires. Their replacement was going to be Cyrus Kawanjo, former top NFL pick. He retires in training camp. So that team was put behind the eight ball for no fault of their own. And let's also not forget Brendan Labatt stepped away. So that offensive line, yes, it held them back at times this season. But also, you know, every CFL team's offensive line would be in trouble if you suddenly took away three or four of their top guys, you know, essentially in training camp. So I give them a bit of a free pass, but I agree. They do have to step it up. The other thing that I would suggest, and Cody Fajardo got very emotional during their their post uh, postseason press conference right he posted a a heartfelt message on twitter on wednesday morning cody fajardo needs to step away from social media i'm not suggesting you shouldn't use social media but give somebody else your password ignore it get rid of it off your phone because i think in 2019 he wasn't facing any pressure in rider nation because as soon as that Kolaris goes down expectations are zero right if you can go out and win a couple of games you're a hero well he ends up leading them to first place in the west and hosting the west final in 2021 expectations were sky high and when you are the starting quarterback of the saskatchewan rough riders you are always going to be under the microscope with the heat turned up to a thousand so if i'm if i'm the riders or if i'm cody fajardo i'm gonna try to make that happen in 2022 saying look you are the face of this franchise but it's time to put the phone away, put down the social media, ignore, like, don't don't read the negativity. We'll have somebody in-house do that for you. We'll hire a social media coordinator. We'll do something because Cody Fajardo, I think, needs to focus on just 
football because you're right dunkster he did regress in 2021 it's it's possible the scheme had something to do with that but he brought it up several times that the negativity on social media affected him i don't blame him for that social media negativity gets to all of us sometimes all i'm saying is the riders and him i think need to put a stopgap in place to prevent it from affecting him to the extent it did in 2021 Agreed, my man. It's time for him to follow the lead of Bo Levi Mitchell, Michael Riley, Trevor Harrison, those guys who have gotten off Twitter for that reason. They are on Instagram, but it's a totally different platform, and they're not on it all the time. Like I just have trouble in my mind understanding why Fajardo would even want to continually go on there and then let that affect him. That said, I want to understand that he's a different person, and all of us are our own unique individuals. But yeah, whether it's Craig Reynolds or Jeremy O'Day or anybody else in that organization, they got to go to him and say, Cody, look it, stay off this stuff. It's not worth your time at all. And just focus on football and being the best Saskatchewan Rough Riders quarterback you can be. To me, that would make a marked difference because I think it's great that we're seeing the raw emotion from him, but it's not ideal that he continues to go back to it when he knows that it bothers him. So cut that out. He'll be much better off for it in the future. As you said, hire a social media coordinator. Lots of people have those these days. And if you're the quarterback of the Rough Riders, I'm sure you could afford it. It'd probably be a bunch of people that would want to do that for you for free. Exactly, Dunkster. That allows you to keep that connection with the fans just with an arm's distance to help you know, help, help build, put that buffer there that is in place and should be in place when you need to focus on football. On that dunkster, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll be talking about the alleg- al- the alleged altercation that took place following the East Final. And we're back. Dunkster, there was a post-game altercation that took place following the East Final that allegedly involved members of Toronto's roster and front office staff. The CFL is currently investigating the issue alongside MLSC and local law enforcement. What can you tell us about it? Well, there have been a lot of videos floating around. I think the important part here that a lot of people need to understand is 3 Down Nation as a news entity And some people might laugh at this, but a respected one across the country cannot jump to conclusions, right? None of us were there at BMO Field, and by that I mean any of the people that work or contribute to the website. We did not see or hear what went on live, so we're going based off these videos. Now, the alleged incidents that took place based on what we've seen on the videos have warranted, as you mentioned, an investigation. The Toronto police are involved. MLSC security is involved in what went down, and the CFL is investigating. But in my mind, what we need to do here is just compare it to some of the past occurrences that have happened. Let's say, for example, Christian Jones and what he tweeted got him cut in three hours. If anybody doesn't remember, it was essentially anti-gay language that he used that got him let go. And he has since not been re-signed by a CFL team. So his career was over. Now, if there was a similar situation that occurred after 
the final whistle at BMO Field, I have a hard time understanding how the league has even let it go this long with no action forthcoming. Now, part of the reason could be that the investigation is ongoing and it could take longer for them to make sure they have all their legal processes followed to the letter of the law. So I can understand that. And I really hope the league is looking into this this seriously because there are a lot of people wondering what the outcome is going to be. And through the lens of diversity is strength and the programs that the league is involved in, they need to make sure that they're holding to their word. I couldn't agree more, Dunkster. And yes, the reporting on this has been spotty because, as you said, the facts are not out there. We are simply reporting off of the videos that have been put out. A couple of weeks ago, a former member of the Rough Riders allegedly was filmed uh, in a physical altercation with his alleged girlfriend. And I, I saw a ton of feedback on Twitter for people saying, how can you say this is alleged? There's video of it happening. And yes, there is a video undoubtedly of someone physically assaulting somebody else. We would never suggest that that's okay. But what we can't do is jump to the conclusion and say, oh, well, the person who we think is in this video, oh, this is certainly that person, right? Uh, the video is not great quality, right? We need to make sure that the police and the proper investigators have gone through the situation and properly identified the people in that video right people have you know doppelgangers people have been misidentified in videos before are we excusing the behavior of course not however we need to make sure that we get the facts right if something is an allegation that means that there needs to be that process take place so yes i we will 100 percent report the facts from this altercation that allegedly took place allegedly involving members of the toronto argonauts roster and front office staff but we need those facts First, all the videos are linked on our website and and we're discussing it right now. We're not shying away from the story. We just don't want to put the cart before the horse. We want this investigation to be done in Dunkster at the risk of putting pressure on the CFL, which maybe isn't a bad thing at this point. This needs to be taken care of ASAP because I have a bad feeling that if it's not dealt with soon, it's going to leave a black cloud hanging over Grey Cup. And we obviously don't want that happening when Sunday should be a celebration of Canadian football and the Canadian Football League. And if it's not dealt with by Friday, Randy Ambrosi is going to hear a bunch of questions about it during his State of the League address. It should be stated, we have asked the League and the Argos multiple times for statements on various incidents that occurred. So we are doing our absolute best to hold to our high journalistic standards and follow the story as best we can. The Ottawa Red Blacks reportedly requested interviews with Dwayne Ford as well as Neil McAvoy, Ryan Rigmade, and G. Roy Simon regarding their vacant GM job. Is there an update on the situation? Well, not much that I can give. I'm aware that the Red Blacks are currently interviewing this week. They have a number of interviews lined up. However, their process is expected to take, as per a source in Ottawa, two full weeks and they have also chosen not to interview any candidates who may have a team in the gray cup on sunday 
before that game takes place. And so if you are the Ottawa Red Blacks and say you want to interview Drew Alamang or Sean Burke, who are essentially co-general managers in Hamilton, or say you want to interview either of Winnipeg's assistant general managers, Danny McManus or Ted Gavaya, you are actually waiting until the Grey Cup is done. So the decision will not be made for a minimum of two weeks, and we know that they are leaving no stone unturned. If they've already requested four interviews they're likely to do at least four more after gray cup and that's not every single candidate dunkster there's more at play this will be a longer process for ottawa and i'm very excited to see how it turns out because there's lots of very valid worthwhile candidates who will be interviewing for this job and it's critical because it's going to set the direction of the franchise for the next number of years. Marcel Desjardins had a long run there. And if you listen to Mark Gowdy talk, he wants another person in there that he's not going to just have to turn around and fire in a year or two and then go through this process again. They want someone in there for the long term and also someone that can rebuild the roster the right way. Maybe not just be a quick fit, fix, but make sure they're back to those teams that are annually competitive in the East Division and not at the bottom. So to me, you mentioned a number of interesting names there, and I would hope that they would at least interview the four that you mentioned who have helped get their teams to the Grey Cup in Burke, Alaman, Gavai, and McManus on either side, Hamilton and Winnipeg, respectively. So there's a lot of intriguing candidates. The one I'm surprised that hasn't at least been publicly reported yet, or I should say there's a couple guys, but it's Brendan Mahoney, the assistant general manager with the Calgary Stampeders, has been there by John Huffnagel's side, learning from him for a number of years. Why would you not want to schedule talking to that dude? Now, that's on the outside. I'm sure, you know, I would bet on it that the Red Blacks are going to interview him. But there are people like that around the league that you should at least take the time to do your due diligence on. And in my mind, that's what's left out so many times in these GM searches. And yes, I've never hired one, but you hear from people behind the scenes is the teams don't do their due diligence. They don't make calls and do the background research on these guys. So I hope Ottawa does that. And judging by the timeline that you laid out, that shows me that they're actually going to go about this in a proper way. I don't know, Dunkster, are you suggesting that someone who's been a GM in six different places but has a career losing record shouldn't be the next GM of the Ottawa Red Black? That seems crazy to me, but what do I know? What do I know? Dunkster, sticking with Ottawa, you reported that the Red Blacks head coach, Paul Apolise, wants Chris Streveler to be his starting quarterback in 2022. Were you surprised to learn that? You know, I was and I wasn't. Nothing really seems to surprise me in this league anymore because is is it it is the CFL. But on the other hand, you're looking at the potential free agent quarterbacks that could be out there. No disrespect to Chris Strevler, but there are going to be better passing quarterbacks on the market now. Lapalise and Strevler obviously had success together. Hodge, you saw it up close in 2018 and in 2019, specifically winning the Grey Cup. And Strevler was a key piece of that team and a legend in Winnipeg, no matter what he does in the rest of his football career. But it's hard to see him as a guy who could be an every-down quarterback in this league, specifically from a passing standpoint. So I get the intrigue there. And if you wanted to bring him in and continue to run or maybe even add on top of that package that you had for him in Winnipeg if you're Lapalise, 
that makes sense. But a lot of people behind the scenes are laughing and actually hoping that the Red Blacks sign Chris Trevler and make him their starting quarterback because it'll make the Red Blacks an easier opponent in their minds. I'm just the messenger here to play against in 2022. Yeah, and this is, you know, look, I, I'm a huge Chris Streveler fan. I have been since 2018 training camp when I interviewed him one-on-one. He is a fantastic football player, great football player. I'm not sure he's a great quarterback, right? That's the thing. I think he's a phenomenal player. I'm not convinced that he is a phenomenal quarterback. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's a remarkable weapon. I think he's a unique weapon. I think he's somebody who can do some remarkable things with the football. I think he provides an interesting dynamic to an offense, but is he a starter in my mind? No, nor would I sign him to be my starter if I was running a CFL team. So that's why as much as I did not surprise me at all that, that Paul Appleese wanted him in Ottawa. It did surprise me. I was taken aback that he wanted him there as the starter, as per your report. Hey, never know what's coming around the corner in the good old CFL. John Huffnagel was asked about player vaccination status in his season-ending media availability and said that he doesn't plan on signing players who can only play home games. This issue arose again during Grey Cup week when Winnipeg offensive lineman Tui Eli was suspended and will not play in the CFL title game because he is allegedly unvaccinated. Michael Shea, for what it's worth, did not confirm his status in terms of vaccination, but said he was not eligible to travel. What does this mean for the teams moving forward? Well, we know that the federal government, as of January 15th, will no longer allow unvaccinated athletes at the professional or amateur levels uh, from entering the country. We reported this back last month when the federal government announced it. An NBA insider with a, a giant U.S. following tweeted it out the other day as if it was breaking news. It was not, but you know, we all know that Americans don't spend a lot of their time focused on the, the, the policies of the Canadian federal government, so I get it. But as of January 15th, NHL players, NBA players will not be able to cross the border into Canada if they're unvaccinated to play in Canada. Assuming this remains the case for 2022, that should mean that Americans or globals who are not vaccinated will not be in the Canadian Football League. It also means that Canadian players, and I'm not 100% sure where Tui Ellie makes his offseason home, but I believe he was raised predominantly. He was born in Richmond, B.C., but I believe he was raised predominantly in Hawaii. He certainly went to college there. So living in the United States full-time, if he wants to come back for 2022, again, unless the rules change with travel, entering the country, and I personally would be surprised if they did by the time the 2022 season gets underway because dunkster this pandemic just does not seem to be going anywhere as much as things have improved over the last year i don't think we're going to see unvaccinated americans globals and honestly i'm not sure we're going to see unvaccinated canadians either because these travel restrictions just make it impossible to compete at the cfl level if you can't get on an airplane dunkster you got to be able to travel and currently these guys can't that's right. It just seems the way that it's going. And when you consider the league's mandate that 85% of players on the teams need to be vaccinated or they could risk forfeiting a game check if a game is canceled, you would imagine that that number is either going to stay there or potentially be bumped up. And this is going to be a critical discussion topic 
in terms of the upcoming collective bargaining agreement discussions when they get there after the Grey Cup. And also, I think it's worth noting, it'll be interesting to see going into free agency if some of the few remaining CFL players who are unvaccinated choose to get vaccinated, Dunkster, because if John Huffnagel's not willing to sign you, I'm sure he's not the only GM in the CFL who's not going to consider signing you, regardless of how good you are, if you're not vaxxed. We got to take a quick break, Dunkster. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. It's now time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Dunkster, we're going back just one year today. On this day in 2020, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was named a co-recipient of the Lou Marsh Trophy with Alfonso Davies. The native of Mont-Saint-Hilaire, Quebec, I hope I said that right, won the Super Bowl as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs in February before opting out of the 2020 NFL season to combat the COVID-19 pandemic in his role as a medical doctor. Duvernay Tardif remains one of four football players ever to win the Lou Marsh Trophy alongside Joe Crawl, Russ Jackson, and John Cornish. Dunkster, I have one word I use to describe Dr. Duvernay Tardif, and that is hero. Well said, buddy. Pretty appropriate on the day that the 2021 Lou Marsh Award was given out to Damian Warner, who had an epic performance in the Summer Olympics for Canada, winning gold in the decathlon. Duvernay Tardif is going to have his name in history forever with the great athletes in this country. Absolutely. And if you want to do something great for your vehicle, please make sure you take it to Jiffy Lube We are officially in full-fledged winter on the prairies. You can take your vehicle to Jiffy Lube, make sure it gets winterized, set up properly so you're not stranded on the side of the highway, wondering what the heck has gone wrong with your ride. Take it to Jiffy Lube, tell them 3 Down Nation sent you, they'll hook you up right. Just make a smart decision, man. It's pretty easy. In and out in a Jiffy, they'll get you ready to go. Continue to stack those smart decisions and you won't have any trouble for the winter. We now go to the three-minute drill, powered by Jiffy Lube. A new survey indicates that Canadians do not want the NFL to come north of the border if it means the end of the CFL. Did that surprise you? It did a little bit, to be quite honest, but I like the pride out there for the three-down game. Ryan Dinwiddie said that Edmonton would be foolish not to hire Chris Jones as their next head coach. Why do you think he said that? You know, I I think part of it comes for the right reasons, but I also think part of it is that, you know, if anyone were to to replace Ryan Dinwiddie as the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts, it'd be Chris Jones. Brian Williams is retiring after 50 years in the biz. What will you most remember about Mr. Williams? Him hosting on CBC when they had the CFL games and when it was a Brian Williams segment or he was there, you always knew that that was a big-time game. Duke Williams was accused of spitting on Sean Lemon in the West semifinal and poking Brandon Alexander in the eye during the West final? What a combo. What do you make of that? Well, come on, man. I mean, these are accusations. We don't know if they're facts, but Duke, you're a great player. You just got you just got to play the game, man. Play the game. You're a great player. Play the game. If, if this nonsense is true, you got to cut it. 
Trey Ford became the first black quarterback to win the Heck Crichton Trophy as the star passer at Waterloo. Did he deserve that honor? He's had a great career there, and it's fitting that he makes history in terms of hoisting the most coveted individual award in all of Canadian University football. So yes, good on you, Mr. Ford. Lucky Whitehead of all people was at the West Final and was captured on video cheering and partying with the fans in Winnipeg even doing his best Chris Traveler impression. How cool was that? Oh, I thought it was great. I didn't see it till after the game. I was just too busy, you know, covering it. But at the end of the day, I think this was brilliant. And I'll say this too. He got some flack from people on social media saying like, oh, you know, how could a Lions fan be wearing, or a Lions player be wearing a bomber toque? This is ridiculous. Look, these players are friends off the field. Yes, there are some players in the league who genuinely hate each other, but that is a small exception. That is not the rule. Generally, these guys cheer for for former teammates and friends. Lucky Whitehead said after the game on Twitter, his roommate Rasheed Bailey caught a touchdown pass for the Bombers. He was there to support Bailey. I love it. Only in the CFL does an MOP caliber player watch a playoff game from the stands with a bunch of fans having a bit grand old time in the freezing cold. Love it. Canadian John Mechie, the third star receiver at Alabama, suffered a torn ACL this past week. How might that affect his NFL draft status? It's going to knock him down if he decides to come out after this season, but he does have another year. He could come back, rehabilitate the knee, and be ready to rock for the next draft, so we'll see what his decision is. The Western Mustangs defeated the Saskatchewan Huskies to capture the Vanier Cup. Did the results surprise you, though, Huck? Well, I said on the show last week that Western was going to win, but Adam Acker was going to have a big game. Check, check. That aged well, Mr. Dunn. Last but not least, Eddie Steele, who was fired from his Edmonton radio gig during the season after criticizing team management, who have since been fired, was hired to cover the Grey Cup by Sportsnet. Is that a good fit? Of course it is. A truth teller, a dude who has won a Vanier Cup, speaking of that trophy, and a Grey Cup, and has also found a role quickly and become comfortable as an analyst. A lot of people think that it's easy to do, but it ain't. And I think people think that for players, it's an easy transition, but there's been a lot of guys that have proven it's not, and Steele seems like a natural, smart decision by Sportsnet. On that note, we thank you as always for listening to the Three Down Nation podcast. He's Justin Dunk. I'm John Hodge. We'll see you next Wednesday for a post-Grey Cup breakdown. Cheers. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 